Hi, this is your host, Stella Rem. Welcome to today's episode of Master Your Being, a show where I talk about how to master your thoughts, feelings, and behavior while sharing my own journey of self-mastery with you along the way. Be sure to follow me on social media to see what I'm up to. You can find me on Facebook, TikTok, and Mastodon by searching for The Della Rem. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's get started. Hey y'all, it's Della. Welcome to, welcome back to Master Your Being. I hope you are doing well. I have had a little bit of a break. I have been doing a whole whack load of writing, um, trying to get this book. I'm about halfway through the book at this point, give or take. Um, and I actually started a side project as well, but I decided I missed the podcast and I wanted to come back and continue to do this. So I'm going to try to fit it in around all the writing and all the other stuff that I've got going on. And hopefully we can find ways to balance so that nothing falls off the back of that proverbial turnip truck I keep driving around in. Okay, so today I want to talk about mastering the illusion. So this is actually a section of essays in the new book that I'm writing. And mastering the illusion in my mind is about understanding and seeing reality more clearly. So typically, when we look around at our world, we have a filter that we wear. And that filter is kind of like putting on a pair of colored glasses, not necessarily rose colored glasses, but just colored glasses that are also partially a funhouse mirror. So it's a colored funhouse mirror. It's a filter. It distorts things. It colors things. It shifts how we see what's happening. It shifts our perception of what went on. So so there's there's the actual he said, she said kind of stuff, right? There's the actual what they did and what they said. And then there's how we interpret that. So sometimes what I what I tell people to try to do with their reality is take all the adjectives out of reality. Take all the adjectives out. Why? Because the adjectives add the drama, they add the color, they add the perspective, they add the filter. Take all the pain out of reality. They did this, they did that, they said this, they said that. That person called the other person stupid. Okay, now take the drama out of that. Take the pain out of that. Take... Take the interpretation out of that. When you remove everything from that and you don't attach a name or a face or or a memory or any pain or any triggers or anything to it, it just is. Somebody called somebody else stupid. The end. And, And that's all it is. But what happens when we interpret reality normally is that we don't just see it as, well, that person called that the other person stupid. We take it and we blow it into this big thing. Well, now suddenly they're this, that, and the other thing, right? We make it a big deal. They don't like me, right? We we make it into a thing that it's not. We take it personally. Well, they don't like me. They don't think I'm smart. Maybe I really am dumb, right? Like we go through, we have all of these things that we do And all of that stuff, all of that, they don't like me or they think I'm stupid kind of drama that we add is part of the filter. It's part of the pain. We take that interpretation and 
we take it on board and then we make up all the stories about it, right? We do it naturally. We're taught to do it. Everybody around us does it. And at no point do we ever question whether all that drama is true. So the neat thing about experience is that it just is. It's actually neutral. So without any form of human judgment, experience is just neutral. So one person calls another person stupid. That's a neutral experience. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just a thing that happened. The more you can pull yourself away from wanting to add in the drama, the more you can see that experience as just a thing that happened, the more clarity you're going to gain around the experience. Now, here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that you don't feel anything. I'm not suggesting that you dissociate from your reality. I'm not suggesting that you ignore reality completely. I'm not suggesting any of that. I'm not suggesting you shut down and stop living in the world or go hide in a cave or do any of those things. What I am suggesting is that you pay close attention to the reality that just is and your reaction to the reality that just is. And separate the two things, my reaction to it versus the what happened. Okay. The what happened, I can't change. I can do nothing about the what happened. It just is. It happened. That's it. It's over. Once it's done, it's done. Once it's gotten put out in the world, that, that's, that's it. It's put out in the world. The end. I can't do anything about that. So now my point of power is only within me. It's only me and my reaction and my perception and the stories that I tell about the what happened. That's all I got control over. And that's the thing I have to be willing to manage all the time. That's the thing I have to be willing to take care of every minute of every day. I have to manage myself within the experience. The experience just is, and I have to control me as a result of that. If I can't control the outside world, then I have to control myself. Okay, so what does that look like? One person calls the other person stupid. You take that on. You make it a big deal. Why do you make it a big deal? Where's the trigger? Why did that bother you so much? What's the problem with that? Where's the judgment? When you start recognizing your own triggers in certain situations when things happen, that's when it gets interesting because what the universe is actually doing at that point is showing you your triggers. The experience actually changes when you stop being triggered by it. A lot of our experiences are created by other people. And so what happens is there's there's relationship dynamics. And it doesn't matter who the person is to you or how you're connected to them. When you change your response or reaction to a situation to whatever pain, dysfunction, chaos the other person is offering. When you change your reaction to that, it changes what the other person does. 
naturally. You're not forcing anybody to do anything. They naturally change. We have expectations of each other. We expect people to act or react a certain way. And then when they don't, at first we try to lure them in. We try to get them to behave the way we think they should. But if they still continue to not do it, then we have to make a choice. That person now gets to make a choice about what to do with that relationship because you're no longer responding the way you think, the way they think you should. So now that person gets to decide what to do with the relationship because you've made that proverbial snowball fight a one-way, a one-way fight, and a one-way fight is really, really boring. Throwing snowballs at yourself is no fun. So that changes the dynamic in the relationship naturally without forcing anybody to do anything. So at some point, that person is going to have to decide to either discontinue the snowball fight so they can maintain the relationship or take their dysfunction and move on and go find somebody else to throw snowballs at. Those are the options that the person has. People that are just there for the dysfunction leave. That's what happens. People that are just there for the pain leave. When you stop offering the pain, they go away. But everybody else will try to stick around. And that means they will naturally change how they react and respond to you because you're reacting and responding differently. Does this happen instantly? No. It takes time because people have to catch up. It can take weeks or months, maybe even years in some cases. But people will eventually shift given enough time and space. If you don't push, if you don't coerce, if you don't try to force or make or beg or do anything or manipulate in any way, it will eventually happen naturally, but you have to be patient enough to allow that. So when we know that most experience is created by the people around us, and we know that by simply managing our own reactions and responses to what's going on, we actually can gain some control over the situation indirectly. We no longer have to play the game anymore. You get to see life differently. Because what you can do now is you can look around and you can spot the pain. That's pain, that's pain, that's pain, that's pain, <laughs> right? You spot the pain. And then you know not to pick that up and throw it back. You know you don't have to pick that up and toss it back. And if you do toss it back because you're human and you're going to do those things because we're nobody's perfect and that's what happens, that's called life then you understand how to be accountable for that because you're managing yourself. So that means that now you have the power to say, oops, I messed that one up. I need to go back and correct that to the best of my ability. Obviously, I can't undo the experience because I can't change what's already happened, but I can certainly be accountable for it and take responsibility for it and shift what I can moving forward. I can make those apologies. I can do those things. Mastering the illusion means recognizing the pain in the experience and managing your own filter. 
managing your own filter and becoming as aware of your own filters as you physically, possibly, humanly can. How aware of your own filter are you? How aware of your own judgments, your own pain, your own triggers, your own drama are you? How aware? The more aware of those things you are, the easier it is for you to manage yourself within your own experience and thereby manage and master the illusion because you're no longer bothered by what's going on around you. You now get it. And even when things do bother you, you have the ability to manage that. So if something upsets you, you take the time to sit with yourself and understand what triggered you. Why was that a problem for you? What's the story you're telling around that? You take the time to figure that out. And then you deal with the thing. You deal with the trigger. You heal the wound. So that it no longer has to be a thing. So that means when the universe shows it to you again in two or three days, you're not bothered by it anymore. Now you can shift your behavior too. The fastest way to change your reality is to change how you function in your reality. Trying to control reality does not make reality change faster. It's nice to think that it does, right? Because for years, my coping mechanism was when, when, when eventually life would get to be too much for me, I would like blow it up. I would just set a bomb off somewhere. I, I would literally destroy it. I would quit my job. I would break up with whoever I was dating. I would move. I, 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 would, I would clear off my friends. I would wipe out everybody. I would just get rid of everything and everyone. I would totally just start again. Set a bomb off, start again. And what would happen is I would rebuild it back with all the pain. Now, why would I rebuild it back with all the pain? Because I hadn't dealt with the pain. Setting the bomb off didn't actually solve the problems the way I thought it would, because I had this idea that if I took control over my reality, I could fix it. But setting a bomb off to try to control my reality didn't fix squat. It fixed nothing because when I built it back, I just created the pain again. And often I added more pain in because I was annoyed because I wasn't able to control reality and fix it. What I didn't understand was that I had to deal with myself first. What I didn't understand was that I had to deal with all my own triggers. I had to deal with a filter. I had to stop wearing the glasses. I had to remove the funhouse mirror I'd put in front of my face that distorted everything. I had to stop telling all the stories. I had to learn to master the illusion. Now, I didn't start there, right? Because this all started when I started healing eight years ago. I started from managing the thoughts in my head. The runaway train in my head was wild. <clears throat> that was a trip and a half, right? And so the mind, for me at least, was generating like whack loads of fear. I was afraid of everything. And I was always afraid of what was going to happen next, right? Afraid of the unknown future constantly. 
So I had to get my thoughts under control. So once I started to, and using the low hanging fruit and, and doing exactly what I talk about in, in a lot of my books and in a lot of my posts, and certainly in, in the book I'm writing right now, what I talk about is this idea of dealing with the thing that's screaming the loudest. So pick the thing that's on replay in your head and start there. And that's exactly where I started. I picked the thing that was on replay in my head eight years ago. And I started talking about that. And I started managing that. And slowly over time, I stopped the, the replay. So when you stop the replays in your head, when you stop your head from going around in loops, thought loops, it actually quiets your brain down considerably, even if you don't do anything else about anything else, <laughs> even if you do nothing else. Just managing those thought loops quiets things down considerably. But then you have to keep going, right? So by dealing with a lot of the thoughts, I was able to then start to get control over the, some of the emotion. What I discovered in that process was that emotion is also a little bit of a habit. The brain will unconsciously trigger, and for me it was fear all the time, the brain would unconsciously trigger fear. I was afraid of everything. So the brain would unconsciously trigger fear. Even though I had what I'd done what I thought, which is dealt with the wound, quote unquote, I had I had healed myself, quote unquote, even though I had fixed the thinking and done some of that, my mind was still generating all of this fear. It was just a habit. And so I had to break the habit of fear that I had of being afraid of my life, of being afraid to take up space, of being afraid to breathe, of being afraid to do anything. I, I had to deal with all the fear. And it was only after I got over the fear and had managed the thoughts to a large degree that Eventually, I was able in the last two, three years to finally deal with my own behavior because that's the last step. If you don't fix the behavior, you're not getting anywhere. You can do all the deep healing and shadow work you want, but if you don't actually change the behaviors, the pain's going to keep showing up in your reality. You absolutely have to fix the behavior, right? So you have all of these coping mechanisms and survival skills that you create from pain right? Your parents taught you how to, your parents or caregivers taught you how to be in the world. They told you you were too loud or too quiet. You were this, you were that, you were the other thing, right? And so because you wanted your parents to love you and because you were a little kid and you needed them to take care of you and all of these things, what did you do? You modified yourself. You adapted. You adapted to the pain that they were offering you. So you became what you thought they wanted you to be because, well, they know better and they're the adults and you're just a little kid and you need them to support you and love you and take care of you. So you better do those things. That's totally normal childhood stuff. Every single human being goes through that to some degree. And that's fine. But then when you grew up and you left home and you were no longer in that environment where you had somebody beside you telling you how to be in the world, you continued to be the way they told you to be, thinking that that was who you were, but it wasn't. Those are coping mechanisms and survival skills that you used to survive childhood. We just forget to drop them when we're no longer children. We think they're who we are. So our job then is to unlearn all of those coping skills, coping mechanisms and survival skills that we learned as children. Our job is to then figure out who we actually are that isn't who our parents told us we were. 
that takes a little bit of work, right? And especially if you've had pain buried on top of that, you've, you've added to that collection of pain, right? So now you have even more crap on there, right? And you've added your own ideas, you've added your own interpretations, you've added your own your own stuff, your own drama, your own crap, you, you put everything on there, right? You got a lot of crap to work through before you can get to a place where you can finally look at your behavior and go, okay, who am I actually, <laughs> right? And manage all of those coping mechanisms and survival skills and start to slowly deal with them one at a time. It doesn't happen overnight. It is experience by experience over a long period of time and eventually Eventually, you just get to a place where you are managing enough of your behaviors, you're shifting your behaviors one experience at a time, and eventually you get to a place where you're no longer reacting or responding the same way. And so at some point, there's a tipping point there because that's going to force the people around you to decide whether they want to maintain the relationship with you, with the new version of you, right? Now you've changed within your experience. You didn't ask anybody else to change, right? You didn't make anybody else do anything. They continued to do what they were doing. You started communicating better. You stopped reacting. You stopped responding the way you usually do. You stopped adding drama. You stopped adding pain. You stopped throwing snowballs back. Guess what's going to happen? The people around you are going to change because they have no choice if they want to stay in that relationship, right? So what we're asking people is, do you want to maintain a relationship? And if you do, then you got to get okay with this new way of being in this relationship. So we're not asking people for anything. We're not telling them how to be. We're not telling them what to do at all. We're not asking permission to change. We're changing ourselves. And we're being honest about that experience and what we're doing. So we're not hiding that. We're not covering it up. We're being very honest. But we're not throwing it at anybody. So we're not making anybody else do anything about it. We're simply changing. And then at some point, the other people in your life are going to have to do the same thing if they want to stay in the relationship with you. And that's always the freaky part, isn't it? Well, do they want to be with me, right? Because the ego wants to get in there now and tell a story about how, well, nobody loves me and I'll end up alone. Right? <laughs> but that never happens. It doesn't happen. You will find people or people will stay or both, right? So it, it doesn't happen like that. So stop telling the story that you'll end up alone and nobody will love you because that's not true. When you change, it will get better. And the people around you will want to maintain those relationships and they will have to alter them. Because at some point, <clears throat> months, years later, if you're watching your reality and you're paying attention and you're not adding drama, eventually you're going to make a choice, right? You're no longer responding. So you really don't even need to make a choice. You really don't even need to do anything. Those people can come and go. You will naturally put distance there without even really thinking about it because you're no longer going to be bothered with their drama. You're no longer going to be interested in what they're offering. So if they want your time and attention, they're going to have to bring you something you're interested in. And that's how they're going to maintain the relationship. So the drama then goes away. That's scary because we worry about people running away and never coming back. And we worry about losing everybody. 
But that's an ego story and it's not true. And it's part of mastering the illusion. It's part of what the mind does, right? It's part of the story the mind wants to tell. Becoming aware of that is equally as important as anything else. Mastering the illusion requires you to pay attention to all aspects of the reality from your own, how you respond and react and what you're thinking, every thought you think, right? You have to be conscious of every thought you think. You have to be aware of it. There's no tuning out. Right? You have to be aware of every thought you think. You have to be aware of every emotion you feel. You have to be aware of every word that comes out of your mouth. You have to be aware of everything all the time. Right? And then when you have experiences, you have to be aware of those too. And you'll begin to figure out which ones matter, which ones don't where you need to pay more attention and where you can back off, right? Not everything's a big deal, right? We don't have to suddenly make everything a big deal. It doesn't work like that, right? But you'll learn where to manage and where, where it's okay to just drop it and move on. You'll, you'll figure that out. That is mastering the illusion, but it's a daily commitment to understanding what's happening specifically within yourself and then on a broader scale what's happening in your experience in your day-to-day -day interactions with people what's actively going on it's learning how to remove the filters learning how to get rid of the funhouse mirror learning how to tone out the drama and the color that we want to add learning to see life without all the adjectives And when you do that, it gets better. It gets easier. And you don't have to tell people what to do. You don't have to control anybody. You don't have to do anything except shift yourself within the experience. And the experiences slowly over time will naturally change because you are suddenly a different person. And your reality starts to be a little bit like having a square peg in a round hole. You no longer fit. And slowly that will allow your reality to begin to change as well. Your reality will eventually catch up. And that's the point. It's supposed to do that. It can take a while. It's not a fast process necessarily, but your reality will eventually catch up. Okay? That is mastering the illusion. That is how we do it. So what I'm talking about in the book, all the essays that I'm writing in, in relation to this, are all about how to see different aspects of your reality a little differently to remove a lot of the pain that you want to add to shift how you interpret reality and then to learn how to manage yourself. So it's a more, hopefully a little more practical, okay, a way to see things and how to manage life. All right. I am going to leave mastering the illusion right there. Thank you so, so much for listening, everybody. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please consider like, liking, subscribing, sharing, with those around you. If you found this helpful, I will hopefully be back again next week on Thursday on my regularly scheduled time. I'm going back to book writing. Thanks so much, everybody. This has been Della Wren with Master Your Being. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to Master Your Being with me, your host, Della Wren. You can subscribe to my podcast and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. 
Don't forget to catch me on my next episode. I'll see you soon.